So we've been going through Thessalonians, and uh, if you've missed any, what I'm not going to do this morning, (laughs) I'm getting confused now, (laughs) what I'm not going to do this morning is summarise everything that's gone before, because that's going to take most, that would take most of the morning, and I'd have nothing, no time left for what is quite a packed end of the book. So if you've missed any, they're online. I can recommend listening to them. I've been doing that on my commute to Cheltenham every day, putting on a podcast and listening. So I've caught up completely. I listened to Joe's on Thursday or Friday, I think, which I think was the last one before this. Um, So get them, listen to them. Um, It's worth doing. Um, One of the things actually that I'd written down and then afterwards listened to John Hall um, he made a really good point that this is a letter to a church, not a letter to an individual. And so this is in the context of corporate, us, the body. This is not just something we take and say, what does it mean to me? It's something we take and say, what does it mean to us? And so a lot of what I'm going to say today, while I might not explicitly say us all the time, Just keep that in mind. This is an us response. It's a body response. This is to a church. So hopefully you know by now that it's written by Paul uh, to the young church that he started in Thessalonica. Um, And Paul, as has been said, has a deep affection for the believers there. He loved them. I think Paul can come across a little bit harsh at times and a little bit weighty with his theology and a little less pastoral at times. This is incredibly pastoral. And when Joe, I said I wasn't going to summarise, didn't I? But when Joe spoke on, uh, on, on the second coming, one of the things that really stood out to me, and I haven't said this to him yet, that I thought was superb, was the pastoral, he picked up on the pastoral nature of it. This isn't the theology of the second coming necessarily, but the pastoral implication of the second coming. It was brilliant, absolutely brilliant. Um, And so that is what Thessalonians is. It's a deeply pastoral and loving letter. And I have a theory about this last part. I think Paul was running out of parchment because suddenly it's dispensed with all the work. Just get everything in as much as possible. I'm running out of space. I've got to pack lots and lots in because there's loads in this and I'm not going to go through all of it. I can't. So I've picked out a number of points uh, as we go through it that I want to pull out. And as I pulled these out and I wrote about them, I suddenly realised they're all things that Jubilee Church do really well. So often when you preach, you preach into something and you say, look, guys, we've got to change. I think with a lot of this, it's going to be keep going. And I think there's a place for that. I think there's a place where we can encourage one another and say, do you know what? That's a job well done. That is brilliant. Keep on doing it. So here are the things that I am going to speak about this morning. I'm going to talk about leaders. I'm going to talk about thinking the best of one another. Giving thanks in all circumstances and not quenching the Holy Spirit. Those are the four points, four things from this Uh, last few verses that I'm picking out. Now, they're quite diverse topics, but as you go through the last few verses, these are the things that come up. So, let's read it. Let's read. um, I have to apologise, I've got no slides today, ran out of time. So, um, 
If you've got your Bibles with you, as Simon said, turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. And I'm going to read to you from verses 12 to 28, which is the end of the book. We ask you, brothers, to respect those who labour among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you and to esteem them very highly in love because of their work. Be at peace among yourselves. And we urge you, brothers, admonish the idle, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with them all. See that no one repays anyone evil for evil, but always seek to do good to one another and to everyone. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances. I mean, there's a series in, in and of itself. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Do not quench the spirit. Do not despise prophecies, but test everything. Hold fast what is good. Abstain from every form of evil. Now may the the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. And may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful. He will surely do it. Brothers, pray for us. Greet all the brothers with a holy kiss. I put you under oath before the Lord to have this letter read to all the brothers. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. So I'm going to pick a few things as I go forward. And I said to Rob, I'm going to go out on a bit of a limb at the beginning. Um, and I've been, I was always going to do this. No, I'm not going to go and kiss you, Rob. That's, that's, that's later. No, as you noticed, I haven't come to that bit. I haven't picked that bit out. Um, leaders, these two verses at the beginning here, 12 and 13, are vitally important. Um, But to put this in context for what I'm about to do in a moment, because I'm going to illustrate this visually, um, I used to be an elder in a church, uh, was for many years, um, and led the team of elders in that church. And the reason I tell you that is I want to put that into context because I want you to know I'm speaking out of experience in in this. Um, And uh, Paul says here, respect those who labour among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you and to esteem them very highly in love because of their work. Now, this is probably about leaders in general, but I want to apply it specifically to elders. Um, I'm gutted Steve's not here, because what I want to do is I want to get Rob and Simon up here. (coughs) Because the the best way of illustrating this is to show you. Um, Let's get them up. Now, these and Steve, let's imagine Steve standing there as well, um, being loud and southern. Um, as he is. And we love him for it, don't we? We do. He's great. Um, so, Steve, if you're listening to this, you're here and, uh, and, and uh, benefiting from this as well. The Bible is the word of God. OK, that's where we start. It's truth. It shows us who God is. It shows us how to live a life that's pleasing to God. And part of pleasing God is doing what it says in the Bible. Being an elder can be a really tough job. It can be a joy. It can be lonely, which is a weird thing to say, but it can be. It can be really hard. And Paul knows that because he says here, we are to honour those who are over us. We are to esteem them highly in love. And that is what we should do. We should encourage them. So we should encourage these guys all the time. 
And if you think you're encouraging them enough, you're probably encouraging them about half as much as you need to. Now, as I said, Jubilee Church, I think, is good at all these things. And I think you do that. And I think these guys recognize that. But don't ever stop. Don't ever, ever stop. Because God has called them to probably what is within the church, the toughest, hardest calling of all. It's not to be taken lightly. It's not to be, don't run after this. If God calls you, then do it. And if he doesn't, stay away from it. (laughs) It's true. And that goes with any calling, but particularly with this. We need to honour these guys. They sacrifice for us. They make huge family sacrifices. If you're employed, you make financial sacrifices. Rob could earn a lot more doing something else and doing this, but he does this because it's what God's called him to do and he loves you. And for Simon, he's got a, he's got a busy job, but he puts in time and effort that he could be putting into something else, spending time more time with his family. But actually it's right that he does what he does. We need to honour these guys. And I wanted to bring them up here so we could just visually see them as I talked about this. Because it's so, so important. Go out of your way to make them feel loved and honoured. So we need to get behind them. And do you know what? Sometimes you won't agree with things they say or do. I know, hard to, hard to believe, isn't it? But sometimes you won't. But you know what? There are no caveats in these verses. It doesn't say highly esteem them and love them if you agree with them. It doesn't say that. Now, there are times when you might want to speak to them and say, I'm not sure about that. Then my encouragement to you is to do that in a gentle and godly way. A way that still honours them. And then if they still say, no, that's the way we're going. If God has called you to be part of Jubilee Church then your job is to submit to these guys, fall in line and follow them and support them. That's that's what we should do. That's what we need to do. And I'm passionate about this, that we honour our leaders, but we submit to them well and rightly. Because that is what we're called to do. And actually, if you're part of Jubilee Church, that is your calling, is to go, I'm following these guys, even when I have to go, not the decision I'd have made, but now I'm going to say, yes, I agree. I, I agree. I'm getting behind you. And I'm not just going to go grudgingly. I'm going to support you in it and actively help you in that decision. That is our place. Can we just get to our feet a moment? Can we just just very briefly, just for one, one minute or so, just pray blessing on these guys. Don't forget Steve as well. Let's just pray blessing on these guys and honour them. Lord Jesus, thank you. Okay, now I know you could probably do that for a long time to come because you love these guys, but let's, uh, they can sit down now. <laughs> okay, and you can all sit down now. I just felt that was really important to do um, because it's biblical, so it's got to be important. And I think you're good at it, so keep at it. Keep going, keep encouraging them, keep honouring them. And keep loving them. Um, And tell them. Tell them regularly uh, how much you think of them.
And then at the end of verse 13, it says, be at peace among yourselves to the church. Do you know one of the ways you can honour them and love these guys? Be at peace amongst yourselves. Because it makes it so much easier. And I, I think that's why Paul put that there. That's not a separate part. That is linked to the honouring those who, who lead you and are uh, above you in the Lord, it says. It's actually, be at peace amongst yourselves and you will make their life a blessing. <laughs> it's true. Okay, so that's the first couple of verses. Let's, let's move on. Um, verses 14 and 15 uh, say this, And we urge you, brothers, admonish the idle, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with them all. See that no one repays anyone evil for evil, but always seek to do good to one another and to everyone. So if the last bit was something I was passionate about, I put in my notes a bit of a soapbox thing for me. Actually, a better phrase is I'm passionate about it. And this is something as well. And what I have to be really careful is that this doesn't become a sort of grumpy old man rant because it could. But I won't let it be that because I'm not grumpy and I'm not old. (laughs) Okay, maybe I am occasionally. These few verses are about how we treat one another. And there's a particular thing that I have seen, and it really annoys me and gets under my skin. I haven't seen it here. But I have seen it in other churches. And I want to illustrate this with a story uh, about a church leader that I knew uh, who shall remain nameless to protect the innocent. Not someone from this church. This was a number of years ago. He was leading a church and that church had lost their place to meet on a Sunday. And um, uh, they were looking for a new place to meet. The church was praying about it. One of the life groups, uh, small groups of that of that church, took the initiative to host a weekly prayer meeting to pray for a new venue. Fantastic. Love initiative. Superb. So they did that and they invited, and this was over the school holidays, not this year, a number of years ago. It was over the school holidays to pray about this issue. Brilliant. And they invited anyone else from the church who wanted to join them to come. Fantastic. The problem was the church leader didn't go to a single one of those prayer meetings. And um, each week that little group started to make comments about that. Not here. That's not very good. Why isn't he here? That's not very good leadership. Doesn't he care about what's going on? At the end of the holidays, they approached this church leader and complained. Doesn't look good if you're not there. This is a true story, by the way. You should have been there. We're really upset that you didn't come. The issue here is that their initial reaction was to think bad of that leader. They didn't ask why he wasn't there. They didn't think of any reasons why he wouldn't have been there. As it happened, he couldn't make any of those. He was out visiting the sick, visiting people with marriage problems, seeing people who got financial problems, doing all the things that a church leader would do. He actually went on holiday as well. Can you believe it? Terrible. (laughs) The point is they immediately assumed the worst, not the best. They thought he didn't care and couldn't be bothered rather than thinking, do you know what? He's probably really busy. Why don't we call him, find out why he's busy and help him, pray for him, help him carry the load. 
how often do we jump to the wrong conclusions about people and don't think the best of them? I think it happens. It, it's unfortunate. It seems to be not, not just in the church, everywhere. And I don't think it's good. And Paul didn't think it was good because he said, do good to one another. Don't repay evil for evil. We need to be patient with one another. Seek the best for one another. If someone's disappointed you, find out why before immediately thinking, oh, well, they obviously don't care about me. But that's our initial reaction far too often. And actually what we need to be doing is go, no, I'm going to find out and do this biblically. Find out and work it through. And I'm not going to just jump to the conclusion that they don't care or they're not bothered. Our experience, mine and Pam's experience being in Jubilee, has been very different to that. It's been one of positivity, encouragement, acceptance. It's a huge asset of this church. It's a hugely positive part of the culture, and I love it, and it makes me happy, which is why it's not a grumpy old man rant. (laughs) But we have to guard ourselves, don't we? We have to keep what is good and guard what we've got. And so what we've got here is positivity, thinking the best of one another, supporting one another. Yeah, sometimes we have to have a conversation with people, don't we, to say, you upset me or this happened or that happened or actually do you think you're doing the right thing here? That's natural and it's good and it's right. But that's done with someone not just done without them there and chatting amongst someone else. That's gossip. We've got to guard the good things that we have. And I think this is one of the good things that we have here. We're positive. We're encouraging. And as I say, I've experienced other things in other places. And it's not good. But here, it's good. So keep on going, encouraging one another constantly thinking the best of one another, looking out for the weak, as Paul says. Where is it? Encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with them all, see that no one repays anyone evil for evil, but always seek to do good to one another and to everyone. Because if you're not doing it to one another... You won't do it to anyone else. How is it people know that we love God? It's our love for one another. And so actually once we're practicing that here, it becomes not just the culture corporately, but our personal culture. It becomes something we value and we take that out to our workplaces. So we're constantly encouraging one another. And it's amazing the effect that has on the workplace. So I started a new job three months ago, um, and um, you have a three-month probationary period, which finished for me at the end of August, so a few days ago, and you get a letter from the office manager to say, well, you know, well done, you've completed that, welcome to proper employment and all this kind of stuff. But on the bottom of my letter was a handwritten note from my boss, who lives in Solihull, actually, uh, as the vice president of something or other. Um, whatever team I'm in, Um, (laughs) pre-sales and solution consulting. Um, There was a little handwritten note 
saying right from the very first day, you made a contribution to this team. And I thought, actually, do you know what? Part of that is because of the culture here. Because it seeps in. And once you've got a majority of people doing something, when you add people, they go, oh, okay, that's the way I behave here. And they just join in. And it's brilliant. Because actually, my job's been made easier because of you guys, even though you don't even know it. But that's the effect we have on one another when we encourage one another. When I joined here, when we joined here, we probably came under in that list the faint-hearted because we were feeling pretty beaten up. But actually, do you know what? We've been talking about this recently going, it doesn't feel like that anymore. You are part of that, a large part of that. So you are doing what Paul says here which means you are doing what it says in the word, which means you're pleasing God. That's the logical conclusion. So God looks on this and goes, I like that. I'm pleased with that. I want to bless that. So God looks on you and rejoices on us and rejoices because I'm part of you. So we think the best of one another. These are quite diverse topics, um, but they're immensely practical. It's an immensely, immensely practical few verses to finish off this book. So we move on to verses 16 and 18. And it says, rejoice always. I'm not sure I'm the best person to talk about this. I don't rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. As you've heard me say when I've spoken before, and Rob spoke a few weeks ago on suffering and persecution, we go through hard times. So how do we square that with what it says here to give thanks in all circumstances? Well, the first thing to note that in verse 18, it says give thanks in all circumstances, not for all circumstances. Really important. If I go out on my bike this week, which I will, and I crash, which I hopefully won't, break bones in my body and wreck my bike, one of those would upset me more than the other. I'll leave you to decide what that is. I would not be rejoicing in that circumstance. That would be a little bit weird to do that. Great, I've broken my leg and I've smashed my bike up. I wouldn't rejoice in that. I wouldn't give thanks in that. Thank you, Lord. Oh, probably over 20, yeah, way over 20 years ago. Oh dear, how time flies. Long time ago, I knew this guy and he kind of took this the wrong way. So he'd smack a hammer on his thumb and he'd go, praise the Lord, thank you for that. I go, that's not, that's just weird. That's not right. It's not what I say if I do that. So what does this mean? What, what, (laughs) what does this mean? That even if I'm ill and in pain, I'm not thankful for that. But I still have a lot of things to be thankful for. And it's all about perspective. It's all about what we look at. So if I stand here and do this, I can hardly see any of you, even though you take up more area in this room than my small hand does. Why is that? Because I'm looking at this and this is my perspective. So if this is my problem and you're my blessing, and my thing 
you're my thing to be thankful for. If I'm doing this, I can't see the things to be thankful for because I'm too busy looking at my problem. And that is what we do. It's what I do and have done and been doing. I dwell and focus on my problem and because I'm so fixated with it, I miss out on all the things I should be thankful for. My perspective is wrong. So, what should I be thankful for? Well, in verse 18 it says, it's the will of God in Christ Jesus that we give thanks in all circumstances, which means we must have something to be thankful for. The clue's in the verse, in Christ Jesus. If you've got nothing else to be thankful for, you can be thankful that Jesus died for you, rose again, and has forgiven you for everything you've done and everything you will do. That he's given you freedom. He's set you free. And the list can go on and on and on. You can be thankful for the body that you're in. The worldwide one and the local one. You can be thankful for the people here. You can be thankful for the way we were led in worship. You can, I mean, there are so many things when we start looking at it. I'm not very good at this. I very quickly lose perspective. and Start looking at, oh, this is just so bad. This is rubbish. I've got my perspective wrong. I'm too busy focusing on the issue and not looking. I've got to lift my eyes from the issue and look at where the blessing comes from. So to give thanks in all circumstances actually shouldn't be that hard, really. Although I think we make it hard because we look at the wrong thing. We focus on the wrong thing. We lift our eyes to Jesus and then we've got plenty to give thanks for but then there's a byproduct of that which means as our as we focus on God and our vision is filled with him suddenly the problems don't seem as big because God's bigger than the problems and so as you raise your eyes suddenly you think oh that's just a peripheral it's in my peripheral vision it's just peripheral I know it's there it causes me discomfort whatever it is But it's peripheral. It's on the edge. It's on the sideline. Because I'm filling my vision with who I should be. It's not denying that we suffer. It's not denying that we have problems. It's actually putting them in the right perspective. That's what we need to do. So we can give thanks in all circumstances. And I have to be reminded of this regularly. It is easier said than done. However, it is a discipline that we can cultivate with the help of the Holy Spirit who nudges us in the right direction when we want to give up. So there were times in the recent past for me where I thought, oh, do you know what, this is all just church and God and it's just too much like hard work. Just, just, let's just forget it for a bit, shall we? Let's just, just it's all too difficult. But actually, you can't, because the Holy Spirit just nudges you gently and goes, you've seen too much. You know, it's, you know it's the truth. You know you can't really. And you know there are people who will get on your case anyway. <laughs> but he nudges you because you've seen too much. You're changed. You can't deny it. You can't move away from it, however much sometimes you want to. And that's the reality. It's been my reality. But actually, with the help of the Holy Spirit, 
we can cultivate that discipline of focusing on God and letting our problems be in the right place. That's not to deny them, but we put them in the right place. And we give thanks in all circumstances. And when we start to give thanks in all circumstances, we find that very quickly rejoicing follows. Rejoice always. Really important. Really, really important. So let's move on. I think this is the last year. This is the last of the four areas that I wanted to pick out of this chapter. And this next one is uh, around verse 19. I might read just a bit before that. Um, Yeah, verse 19 and 20. Do not quench the spirit. Do not despise prophecies, but test everything. Hold fast what is good. Abstain from every form of evil. Do not quench the Holy Spirit. I think if Paul was writing this letter to the Church of Jubilee Solihull, he wouldn't have included this bit because he wouldn't have needed to. That's my experience. Because in my experience, the Holy Spirit is not quenched here. Again, another superb thing. And actually, that was demonstrated in our worship. Something's happening. There's something around freedom. Okay, let's follow it. If that's what the Holy Spirit's doing, let's follow it. I think that the way this church is led, that if this morning it had really gone on somewhere else and they'd gone, we need to follow that. Paul, you're not going to speak. I think they'd have done it. And fantastic. This can be done anytime. If the Holy Spirit wants to crash in And what we're doing, then it's probably because he's got a better plan than we've got anyway. Now, that's not to say don't plan. It's great. It's it's such a tempting excuse because I don't like planning. I like just turning up and see what happens. But because we plan and and, and the Holy Spirit speaks to us as we plan. But often goes, yeah, yeah, that's fine. I did all that for you this week. That was for you. Actually, I'm going to do something different now. We don't quench the spirit. Now, obviously, something in the Thessalonian church, they've got some issues with accepting prophetic words because what happens is Paul says here, don't quench the spirit, don't despise prophecy. So that's that's where they were doing it. Those two parts in this are linked. And I don't know why they despised some prophetic words. I don't know what was going on there. They were a young church, young believers. Maybe they hadn't had that much teaching on it. Um, maybe they were going, well, no, it's not Paul, so we're not accepting it. I don't know. They could have been. Um, But for some reason, Paul had picked it out as a serious issue. And although this is a huge asset, again, here, that the spirit, I believe, is not quenched, we've got to guard it. I grew up in the 70s. A little bit before that, but I don't remember the 60s. There's only 30 days of them, so, you know, it was only just there. But I grew up in the 70s when there was a huge charismatic renewal going on amongst the churches. And I grew up in that, in a house church, and it was exciting. It was dynamic. But it was hard. Churches split over it. People got hurt over it. But it was the right way to go in saying, yes, the gifts are important. And we need to follow them today. Do you know what? We've got to make sure we don't lose that. 
There are many, many charismatic, using that word, people who accept the gifts for today and practice them and go with it. Um, there are many of those churches now. You look at them and you go, well, yeah, they're charismatic in style, but where are the gifts? Where's the submission to the Holy Spirit? Yeah, we sing up beat songs and clap our hands. That's not what it's about. It's about allowing the Holy Spirit free reign. It's about using the gifts we're given. It's about not just saying, well, yeah, they, they are for today. It's about saying, they're happening right now. That's what it's about. And it was too hard fought by our predecessors to let it go now. And I think there are too many churches letting it go now. This church is not one of them. And I don't want it to be. Because it's vital. It's vital. There are some churches who are perfectly happy with prophetic words, words of knowledge, tongues interpretation, but actually have said we don't want them brought on a Sunday in the public meeting. Um, this might be a controversial statement, but I believe that's quenching the spirit. I think it is. And we're told not to. This is serious. To quench the Holy Spirit is so serious. And what does it mean? Quenching means if you quench a fire, you put it out or make it smaller. How dare we put out the fire of the spirit? How dare we? That is not for us to do. Do that. I was going to give another example about another church, but I'm not going to do it. Oh, I really want to. Come on. Come on. <laughs> Look, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not belittling what people do and I'm not putting it down because I, I'm sure there are thought out reasons, but I know of a church who won't allow you to prophesy unless you've submitted it in email the week before and then one of the leaders will bring it on a Sunday. What? The gift is given. Use it. Bring it. Be allowed. And here, there is freedom to do that. We've been talking, singing about freedom. There is freedom here. Use it. Use the freedom. Don't quench the spirit, yourself or corporately. Let's guard what we've got because it's precious. Let's not quench it. Let's fan it into flames. Stir up the gift. Do you know, it's not about... I'm way off any of my notes now. It's, <laughs> it's not about, yeah, exactly, don't quench the spirit. It's not about coming and going, okay, I'll see if I get something, or, well, you know, we'll see what happens. Actually, um, the Bible says, stir up the gift. Stir up the gift. There's an action on our part. You have to be deliberate about it. You've got to stir up the gift that you're given. So if you've been given it, stir it up. Don't wait to be invited. Don't wait to be asked. And I'm saying this to myself as well because I've taken a back seat over the last 12 months. And that can't last. It can't happen. You've got to stir it up. You've got to get it. That's a, that's a positive action. Stir up the gift that was, is within you. And when you do that, you fan it into flame. And it's the opposite of quenching. And it pleases God again. And, and I'm not saying this because you don't do it. I'm saying this because it happens here and we've got to guard it. Let's not go any other way. Let's fan it into flame. And use it for the building up of the body. That's what the gifts are for. And for the building of the kingdom. They may look different here than they look in the workplace, but they're the same gifts. You may say here, look, I've got a word of knowledge for you. 
at work, you may phrase it differently. It's the same gift. Let's not quench the Holy Spirit. Let's guard the things that we hold dear. Let's not just accept it, but let's encourage it. I've said this already, actually. If the Holy Spirit wants to come and mess up our meeting plans, and I don't plan these meetings, so I'm, <laughs> it's easy for me to say. <laughs> it's others that do this, but I, I'm pretty convinced that they're happy with this. I said I'd go out on some limbs. Um, if the Holy Spirit comes and wants to mess up our plans, then let him do it. Bring it on, because it's going to be better, isn't it? It is. As much as these guys are brilliant at planning meetings, I'm not, I could sound wrong. Um, <laughs> oh, well. <laughs> it will be exciting. And it will be better. Now, I need, to, I need to draw this to a close so I can smell the coffee and I really want a cup of coffee. <laughs> you always know when I speak, it's not going to go on forever because I just can't go on that far without a cup of coffee. <laughs> You may think it's gone on long enough. Um, we've covered a lot of ground and it's all quite diverse because that's just what Paul does in, this, in these few verses. And um, there's so much more. Read it. Get into it. There's loads in there. Um, I hope some of it's been useful. So, um, I heard a quote. I read a quote recently. Um, I think it was Andrew Wilson. His 10 favourite quotes about preaching. And one of them was, um, yes, it's true. People aren't going to remember everything you've said, but they don't remember all the meals they've had. But those meals have still done them good. Yeah. <laughs> I hope there's been something here that's done you good uh, and that has been helpful for you. We've looked at honouring our leaders. Let's keep on doing it. We've looked at thinking the best of one another as our default reaction to people. Let's keep on doing it. Give thanks in all circumstances. Keep on doing it. And for some of us, start doing it. Get better at it and allow the Holy Spirit to nudge us to the Father and our view that way. Don't quench the Holy Spirit. Give him free reign all the time. As we close now, if there's anything in there that you just think, yeah, that's, that bit's for me, then just confess it to, to Jesus and say, yeah, that's, that's the bit for me. That's the bit I want to. I want to do that. I want to help me do that. Help me be better at that. Help me follow you more closely in that. Let's allow the Holy Spirit to put his finger on what we need to change. And let's not quench what he's doing, but allow us, allow him to give us a nudge in the right direction in all these things and in anything else that you've read in those verses that, and anything else that's as we've gone through Thessalonians, you know, there's so much in there. Keep reading it. Keep looking at it. It's only a few chapters, but it's packed full of amazing stuff. And Paul, again, in this chapter, mentions the coming of Jesus. And uh, one day he's going to come back. And it's not going to be such a struggle then. <laughs> and it's going to be easier. But actually, we live our lives, as Joe pointed out, with that in mind. And it helps us with all of this.